Hello and welcome to Lockjaw Records Podcast 2105. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. I hope you enjoyed the podcast so far. Last week I had a brilliant chat to Tim. I want to give him a shout out for uh, sending me some hot sauce. We didn't even get to talk about the hot sauce in the podcast. Um, there's probably another podcast about craft beer and hot sauce that Tim and I can delve into. So if you get a chance to try some DIY or dye hot sauce, which is made from the ingredients grown over 2020 in Tim's garden, they are tasty relishes and spicy. Uh, okay, so in this episode, I have invited a very old friend, Ed Hall. Originally, we met when he was playing in Egos at the Door. I think the first time I saw them live, I instantly signed them onto the Lockjaw Records roster. and. We've been pals ever since. Um, Ed is now playing guitar and writing and singing in Edgarville. New music to come. And he also runs Silk Mastering House and Silk Recording Studio. This episode is pure chats and insights and reflections. So no music, but you can always check out Constant Bang over on Spotify or indeed visit lockjawrecords.co.uk and grab yourself a record from there. And I'm sure we're going to be playing lots of music in episodes to come. So let's crack on, grab yourself a cup of coffee, a beer, whatever you like to do, kick back and enjoy the podcast. Lockjaw podcast number 2105, the 5th of 2021. And I've got my good friend Ed Hall with me today. Hi, Ed. Hey, mate. How's it going? Yeah, okay. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, and this one's going to be a fun one, I think, because we haven't actually had a chat in a long time. It's been way, way too long. It has been a really long time. Um, so, when, when was it? I think it was just as Sarah was joining up with Lockjaw. Yeah, it must have been. Spot you over the phone. Yeah, that was, and yeah, I was living, living in a different house. Times were different back then. <laughs> they definitely were different. I think I, we were probably talking about how it would be cool if you jumped on a podcast. That was probably one of the subjects. And now, <laughs> two years later, here we are. <laughs> a little background about yourself. What, what are you up to? These days. These days, yeah. Uh, so these days I'm running All Silk Recording Studio and All Silk Mastering House. Um, pretty much just a full-time audio engineer. Um, that keeps me very busy, to be honest. I'm going to have to leave that one there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's that's um, awesome. And it's really good to hear that you um, are keeping busy. How have you found running um, or the mastering and recording during this lockdown? I guess mastering maybe is is easier because should you generally get sent the stuff digitally and then deal with it remotely? yeah so 
the the mastering side of things, it's um, it's been up and down, but functionally it's more or less the same because all the files are shared online. But the actual recording studio itself, <clears throat> that's been exceptionally difficult, to be honest with you, because so from the beginning of March was when the idea of lockdown started sort of floating around before it had been officially put in place. Yeah. Um, and basically by the middle of March, there was just this massive stigma around anyone who was running any business whatsoever. It was like, you should be shutting down. It's your responsibility. It's like, yeah, but we, we don't know what to do because no one can afford to just shut the business. And it was before like the government was taking more, uh, was taking the reins on the situation. So from about the middle towards the end of March, I was just like, look, I just can't, you know, this is, it's irresponsible. It's like, it's, it's in bad taste. Like I just can't do this. Like I, so I decided to close. It was probably like a week or two before this lockdown got announced. And I was like, right, I'm just gonna have to close. Um, that's that. So yeah. I did. And then, you know, this was before any funding for anyone was even being floated around whatsoever. So it was just right. Okay. I'm closed. Like what now? Um, and then as the months drew on, lockdown became official and then the funding sort of got announced and was starting to get allocated. So throughout the three first three months that I was closed, it was just basically, I did, couldn't get any funding for being self-employed because it's just a complete back and forth. Um, HMRC were actually trying to tell me something that's completely untrue. So it's like, so they were trying to tell me, oh, you've uh, you've not been self-employed long enough, but it's like, no, but I, I hit this certain threshold. So then it's like I appealed it and then they just wrote back and like, you know, like template template denial, nah, you can't get anything. Yep. <clears throat> uh, long story short, I applied for everything going to get any sort of funding whatsoever. And like, meanwhile, the doors are closed. Um, <clears throat> so that was absolutely awful. <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, what the hell's going on? Um, so couldn't get anywhere with that. Um, and then as we've been able to reopen, because I think the recording industry, like the audio industry, rehearsals, everything like that, we've been left alone for quite a while now. So we've basically just been kind of operating. But it's... So it, th there's a few difficult factors that this whole thing's introduced. And like the first one is skepticism of leaving the house. It's like, okay, I'm running a business over here, but the majority of people don't even want to leave the house and, and go. So it's been slow on that side of things. Um, and then obviously we got to run as COVID secure and everything like that. It's, it's complicated. Yeah, but, of course. But it's actually been really good the last like, the last few months. It's like a sort of meandered towards being normal again. Oh, that's good. I think one of the things for me I found because I was um, for a short amount of time in between the two lockdowns, I returned to doing a little bit of teaching within one school uh, for a company. Um, and again, I felt like there was some scepticism because especially with the schools being back as well which mm. is a bit of an odd one. Um, uh, most of my work was online, but when uh, the important thing being that you you do 
take these precautions and you you are sensible with your risk assessment. So if you're doing a recording session, say, there's oh you don't have the whole band in there and their family watching you record the vocalist kind of thing. You've got to mm. you kind of strip it back. And if there's two people, and we find um, with the studio that I've worked with, uh, Spiral, if there's there's two rooms and we've kind of like properly cleaned it up and there's somebody in the vocal booth and the, the producer in the uh, control room, they're in separate rooms, they wear masks when they're in the same room. Mm. And all, all these things that you wouldn't usually do, but this is, um, I think that's the important thing really. And it comes down to it, but as does that cause more expense and time, probably on top of what you you're used to? But it just yeah. means you can run. Yeah, that it's a tricky one. Expense wise, I mean, it's nothing major, but it's just a it's a hassle. It's just something Absolutely. that you that you don't want to have to. On top of everything else that you got to do, it's just like it, it is just something extra. That's that's another factor that is not. Are you playing your songs correctly? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it could be a distraction from what from the work you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. I guess you've just... got to, yeah you've got to prioritize these things because it's an Im- important factor of everyday life currently at the moment though. Really. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and you know, back to staying afloat and being a working class person during this whole thing. It's like. So while the place was closed, like I actually went and worked for the NHS for six months. I've like I've seen two sides to it. I've seen, I've seen yeah. like the side of side of like a business owner who's just like infuriated by like just how much of a mess this is. Yeah. And then I've seen like the seen the reality of it and like how upsetting it is for a lot of people as well. And then yeah, I've sure. also seen just the complete like incompetence <laughs> like working in <laughs> testing was just like oh my god like how how have, have any of these people made it this far really yeah it's 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 a real mess man it's a real mess so yeah it's, it, it's a whole frustration and yeah it, but it's like a year ago like this is not in the plans whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's um oh. I I do remember speaking to you last year when you were doing that, and then it just again. I think I was talking to somebody last week about the similar thing. Like last year, doesn't it's very hard. I'm not sure for you, maybe but you seem to be extremely busy um, with all those things. But did you, is it hard for you to quantify time last year? Because I'd find that just like it seems like this space, which yeah. stuff happened, and you're like what really did when did stuff happen last year because it's just such a weird <laughs> yeah once, once we went in and out of these lockdowns it just kind of becomes this i don't know we'll have to call it like the covid season yeah <laughs> just i do what? remember it was really really sunny like the uh, weather the weather's been amazing yeah i mean yeah last summer was incredible actually wasn't it and it was a, yeah. from spring until what you'd call probably the end of autumn it was still warm wasn't it so yeah um there's a i guess there's a plus point to the year some nice (laughs) weather um going back to the audio recording side so i mean you've got is it a relatively new um studio the silk uh all silk because i feel like you've been or have you been uh have you been working on it 
for the last, I know, only a couple of years old, really. Yeah, so the Master Inside, I launched that coming up to three years ago and the Recording Side um, just over a year ago. Yes, okay. So it was November 2019 that it launched um, and then I was getting stuck in and then March it closed. So I'd only been open for a few months. Right, yeah. And what, um, what did you... Uh, inherit the space from a previous studio or have you built the studio from ground up was it just a space apparently it was a dance studio at one stage or another but it's never been like a recording space but um stumbled on it by accident so basically rob who plays uh, in drums in edgarville he was working in the bar downstairs and uh, we were like just looking for literally just a room to just set a interface up and just do some pre-production yeah and uh, he was like, he suggested that room. He was like, oh, well, why don't, why don't you come to my work um, and we'll do it upstairs before my shift. So I was like, sweet, let's go and do that. And I, I swear down, as soon as I walked in that, what is now the live room, I was just like, oh my God, like <laughs> this is already a mint studio. I was like, and I was just pecking his head and just like chasing the bar owner, harassing the bar owner, like, please can I rent this space? Like, please, please, please. Um, and then took it over summer july uh, okay. 2019 and then just spent about six or so months just like renovating everything putting everything in place so it is it's definitely new it's um yeah nice again i think i think i was just again lost in time last year but i was just i've yeah. been following all the uh the uh instagram posts and all the building and you got those it kind of the movable walls and what made you um uh, oh yeah, do you want to kind of run through what you've got set up there? Because I, I always find it quite exciting to follow all the bits. <laughs> so I guess if you started with like a, it, you started with a shell and then how did you make it from dance studio or X dance studio into Ed Hall Audio All Silk Recording Studio? Um, Good question. So the space as it was, it was like, it's 26, uh, what is it 27 by 23 foot of floor space in the live room like 15 foot ceiling so it's like an enormous like sort of dance studio type room um basically day one was just gutting everything out getting rid of everything um what is now the control room was it possibly was like some sort of office at some stage um but to be honest, mate, it's not that fascinating. <laughs> I'm, I'm running over it in my head. And it's just like uh, trying to, I'm, I'm even trying to sex it up in the way I'm wording it. But <laughs> yeah, at the end, end of the day, it was just gutted the place out, uh, redecorated. And then um, acoustics wise though, like what you were saying about the sound baffles, um, like they've all been hand built. So we've been like basically building these like sound control panels. So like one side is absorbing and then, side b like the back side is a number of different uh functions so we've got like diffusion we've got reflection um and then i've been building these uh ones with windows in uh to like, isolate people like during live performances yeah like they've been dead fun to build it's interesting to see the different diffusers and and the wood i mean as an aesthetic point i think you've got got some nice aesthetics in there as well 
Yeah, pretty much, pretty much copied. Uh, I just saw some studios that I liked. I was like, oh, well, that that looks good. Why do people do that? It's like it's like a really gentle diffusion, um, like the wood around the outside. I mean, obviously, like it looks really nice and it looks the part and everything. Um, but if you see like the strips that are going up and down, um, like the side of the walls and everything, they're just like really gentle diffusers. They just create like a few more angles, but it's not like really like invasive or like too uh over the top it's just if a sound wave hits it's either gonna like reflect a flat surface or it's gonna reflect a pointed surface acoustically like the room's set up really nice now nice good stuff um and yeah what just reminded me as well uh that it wasn't just audio well the focus is on audio but it wasn't just audio that you were doing it was um and you had really lovely quality uh video sessions yeah yeah the live well. session stuff yeah. Uh, what what got you into doing that? Uh, so there's a series called Black Square Sessions. Um, I think they're only available on Amazon Prime at the moment. Uh, they brought me in a few years ago now. I think it was probably 2018. Um, they were shooting what was supposed to be season two. Um, so they just brought me in on audio. So I just turned up with like stripped back mobile rig um they were sponsored by lewitt microphones um so quite a lot of the equipment that we were using was like all provided by like their sponsors and everything um but it was a fairly for what it was it was a pretty big crew it was like eight people or so um and then plus like the artist that was performing um and then there was like quite a lot of people involved on the back end but i was simply just audio so just turned up set the mics up make sure everything sounds cool, record, mix, send off the audio, and then like a video guy like sort of takes part of it. Uh, and then from doing about six or so shoots on them, I was just like kind of observing everything that was going on, like taking it all in. And I was like, <clears throat> I had the idea to, to um, do like the all sort live sessions. So I was like, oh, well, surely it'd be like a really good idea to just have like some sort of small in-house live session thing going on just to like invite people in uh, like get to know some artists help promote them get to know like how to do video stuff um, and then decided I just decided to do it like I had like a GoPro at the time yeah <laughs> so I just stuck up a GoPro recorded a friend um, and then like the all silk like in-house stuff that we do um, that kind of like stemmed from there that I picked up a few crop sensor cameras um, and like just started adding to the rig and just learning and talking to video people and like borrowing video kit. Um, and then over a couple of years, I just kind of like picked up enough to get going, enough on like the editing side, enough on the lighting and like recording side, uh, like the visual side, I should say. Um, and then kind of got far enough where I was like, okay, so I've done... I think we've shot around 30 episodes for the All Silk Live sessions. Um, and then through a friend in college, um, ended up doing some stuff for uh, Skiddle. Okay. But they, they're, they're pretty cool. Like they, They've got like a, a DIY sort of ethos behind it as well, where like they sort of help underground artists like um, organize tickets and like... Okay, cool. They basically get him into like that whole side of things. So like a lot of, especially like up here in the Northwest, um, like quite a lot of even just like small underground shows are like ticketed. Okay. Um, so the, the, yeah, it's, I suppose it, I suppose it helps 
artists in that they can quantify how many people are like going to be coming to a show um, and then they can like sort of liaise with a venue owner about ticket sales, I suppose. Yeah, it gives it gives statistics and everybody yeah. likes a good statistic these days. And you, <laughs> yeah, true. Knowing your pre-orders. Um, so were you doing, uh, just so geographically, if you... Uh, just trying to think here. So all silk mastering or all silk uh, the live sessions were they always at the studio you're in now or were they in? Yeah, so they the, kind of the all silk live sessions um, they started in the mastering house because it's like okay. it's, it's a nice like control room size room. So like there's there's plenty of space in here just to, like get a couple of acoustic artists or whatnot. Sure. Um, so it started here. Um, pretty much all of the like all silk live session stuff has been shot and recorded here. So that's basically just where I cut my teeth and like sort of learn like the technical ins and outs of how to do it. And then, um, like I say, Skiddle got me into, um, do, so have you heard of highest point festival? Uh, no, it's a fairly new one. Like they, they've only been around a couple of years. Um, so they got me in to do like, so there was, one of the stages and then there was like this outbuilding basically in the top floor of an outbuilding like they just wanted like people that were performing at the festival to like come to the back and like do an acoustic strip back version of like a song or two um and it was so it was skittle and bbc introducing like wanted to do something like that so that was the first time where i was like oh um like i'm actually gonna hire myself out as someone on video i was like yeah. Shit, like, i've been blagging it up to now like <laughs> <laughs> i can meet my own standards because i'm not paying myself but i'll give this a go um so then went and did that I basically did like 13 sessions over a day or something bro um yeah it was it was full on it was absolutely hefty but it was it was really good um and i just basically applied everything i'd learned from being around video people and from making these sessions um and then from there, I was like, right, like, I think I can do this. And then just sort of like started putting the feelers out of like, so the studio's unique in that, you know, we have a full video rig and an audio rig, and it's not going to cost you uh, like two people's wages to come and do like a live session. So before, like way back when I was more active in bands it was like if you wanted to do a live session you had to like hire the audio guy you had to hire the video guy yeah so it was like probably double what it costs now to like to make it so it was it was a pretty expensive little uh thing to set up so, absolutely how do just, you i i mean that is uh it it is but i i've done some video work myself and that doing the video and audio simultaneously yeah but yeah i reckon it'll make my head explode <laughs> so yeah <laughs> when you've got multiple cameras and you're gonna make sure the batteries are still going they both got the cards in like you've got yeah. the, you've got it in focus and then you go all right yeah and i have to go and do this audio as well yeah like, yeah yeah you must but have I've got, some... i don't know i've got one of those like weird brains that just needs like 400 factors to think about <laughs> right okay yeah. it's uh, no i've definitely had some like some doom moments where like there's just too much going on and i've just been like what even is like what am i what, what's <laughs> going on um but no I, to be honest with you like it's it's not so bad because i've just sort of i mean I, i've done 
I've, I've easily done close to a hundred sessions now. And it's just like, just, the, you just put a system in place. Like you, yeah. so basically like you need to like quantify and categorize like what's going on at what stage. And then it becomes easier. It's like less of a overwhelming, a thousand things coming at you at once. And it's more just like first hour, we're going to do this. Second hour, we're going to do this. Third hour, we're going to do this. So it's like first hour, we'll uh, get everything set up in the room. So it's like no vocal checks, nothing like that. Just set all the amps up or whatever the backing track of the performance is going to be. Get yep. a room sound. Once everyone's happy with a room sound and like, you know, like the vibe's starting to pick up. It's like, okay, well now we'll mic everything up. So then spend the next hour, two hours, mic everything up, get everything set. At this stage, it's like I might have like a little glance around and just like see how things are coming together visually. Sure. But then it's like back to the audio, make sure everything sounds good. So like, okay, so now we'll do like a sound check, start doing a sound check, get like headphone levels, start, you know, seeing if there's any reverbs the vocalists want, for example, just starting to put together what is going to be their live sound, their foldback sound. Once we're happy there, it's like, okay, well, you know, you guys can probably take a break for a bit or you can like hang out, set the cameras up. And once everything's set up, it's actually, all you need to do is press five buttons. You just need to press record <coughs> on audio. Uh, we've got four cameras set up. So I want to do a handheld um, and then the other three are like static uh, tripod cameras. Yeah. So it's like, I just have like my sync point on paper, literally just press record on the audio go around, press record on each one of the cameras, just like sync point each one of them. Yeah. It's actually quite chilled from there. It's just like, okay, have fun. I'll be here. <laughs> and yeah, then I suppose. get like three or four takes down and then it's like, cool. So yeah, like I say, like it's, it, it is actually really systematic. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you, is in regards to your camera gear as well, have you kind of kept it all the same, same kind of stuff or is it, I mean, like camera, you've got four cameras going, are they all different types of cameras or? No, the, so I've, I've uh, stuck with Sony. Um, so the first like videographer, like I started like picking the brain of um, Sam Fittick. Uh, he's gone over to like all the black magic stuff now, but yeah. he's like, he's all the way into the camera world. Like he's, he, he knows his stuff on it anyway. Um, but he was on the uh, A7 series at the time. Yep. Uh, so I was just talking to him about it. I was like, you know, what's um, what's going to be like quite good just for like a static recording of like just uh, artists performing. So he suggested going down like the crop sensor route, mm. which is like the blogging cameras, vlogging cameras. Yep. Uh, so... <clears throat> I started off on the A6000 and I was like, right, okay. Um, and because live sessions, like, especially the way that I'm doing it, like you kind of need like multi-angles, yeah. especially as a beginner, which I was, um, which I still am really, if, if you actually talk to camera people. But the, <clears throat> so like the plus of the 6000 is like, it's dead cheap. It actually looks really nice. Uh, it's like, what is it? 1080p HD. Yeah. You put a good lens on it and it looks great. Um, and also because it's cheap, you can go into like the multi-angle thing. So I started off there and then um, I had those three 6,000s for pretty much like most of the time that I was doing it. And then recently I just put in a 6,400. 
Okay, yeah. So they're all, they're all the Sony Alpha range. Uh, so it's like A6000s, three, they're all static. And then I've just got a handheld 6.4. Um, and that one's just got like the 4K and it's uh, it's got a longer continuous as well. But like in terms of like color profile and the manufacturer, it's all like Sony stuff. And then the lenses, I mix the lenses up because I don't know, I guess like the way that I compare it to audio is like the camera's the interface and the lenses are microphone. The microphone, yeah. Oh, that's so, a good way to think of it. Yeah, so I just, just kind of like mix it up amongst the lenses and then... Oh, that's cool, yeah. I just, does that answer I, the question? Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, you've got that, that systematic when you're switching on all your cameras and getting your gear ready, at least they've got the same the the same position for the record button because I find yeah. when you've worked <laughs> when you work with different models and you get to it or you need to change a setting then you're just like uh, I've just been through a menu and this menu is totally different and then ah uh, yeah 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 so it's the but, last thing you want to be doing like on set live as well like, all... especially camera stuff like I I I just want to be able to turn it on and press record yeah <laughs> I yeah, don't yeah. want to have to like <clears throat> set anything up from scratch like on the day especially like across a few cameras so. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's good that everything's all in the same place. I guess because now uh, you had your space as well and the lighting's generally stays the same, you've kind of, you can have your camera set up for your studio, so that saves a little bit of time as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So like all, all like the ISOs and everything have been fairly like optimised for working in that room. Yeah, nice. Oh, right, yeah, everything I've seen come out there has been, looked swish, so... Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I mean, I've been looking at some stuff we've done recently and like it's going to be like a never-ending game of perfection of like, oh, I've gotten better at this, but now I've realised that like this other factor over here is kind of lacking. So it's like maybe like, oh, my colour grading could get better or, oh, maybe I rush certain angles and like don't get like a full sort of like lush angles so then yeah yeah it's it's a never-ending minefield yeah absolutely yeah um every time i do a bit so that i guess it's it's similar with music as you well know (laughs) you can keep doing it and it's the ongoing strive for perfection (laughs) will you ever make it that you listen to stuff yeah (laughs) but it's fun i remember you said uh you said yesterday that lockjaw is actually uh, been in a really good place well i mean a really good place is in we was we we've kind of kept together we keep talking because this the team is um the, uh, the team we kind of dotted about anyway when we mm. have our meetings we're used to kind of jumping on a zoom and discussing things so um it's been one of these things that we've managed to carry on going i mean there's been a lack mm. of shows obviously but mm. We've got a pretty strong online store where people can access the music. Mm. Um, so, and then we've just been having a bit of fun doing, we had a few of the quizzes last year um, mm. and trying to get content from the bands where we can. So yeah, things have just been, it's been, it's been cool to be able to keep sinking your teeth into the label and doing yeah. stuff creative with it. I've noticed um, that, Drones have been on a resurgence, haven't they, the past uh, couple of years? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, <clears throat> they went over, uh, they went through a lineup change in 2017, maybe earlier than that, actually. And then so mm. since Exiled, which they released under the, with a new lineup, uh, which was, uh, yeah, really, 
went down really well. Then they've had what is it? Oh, they we had the B sides from that, but yeah, recently then the album will be out by now by the time this podcast is uh, is live. So they've got the new album. We've dropped about five singles now. Yeah, yeah, album. yeah. I've been keeping up. So uh, yeah, that's really cool. Um, again, it would be awesome to see them be able to play live off the back of this album release because yeah. I think that uh, they're uh, they're absolutely killing it live just before. We had to yeah, stop playing I, I shows. haven't seen them live <clears throat> since the uh, since the lineup change. Oh wow! Oh yeah, definitely. Well, there's something to do, something to look forward to. When we're, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we we're uh, we're releasing. Well, we've released that record uh, with Thousand Islands in Canada and the US as well. So that's going to be uh, distributed and released overseas, which is cool. Which is a first for drones as well. Um, that's great, man. But yeah, that's a, that's a strong, strong record that's come out. Um, and we've been working with a band called Borts, who I had yeah. on the first podcast of this year. They're fun Beautiful, guys. Man. Um, where, are they, where are they from? Uh, they are from Salisbury, generally. Ah, right. Salisbury, They're generally. a UK band. Yeah. Uh, yeah, UK band recorded at The Ranch uh, with oh, Lewis yeah. Johns. Yeah, you guys have done quite a bit of The Ranch, haven't you? Um, I have done, we recorded the last Darko record there in 2017. That was with Daly, the old singer from Drones. Actually. Yeah, yeah, there it is, there it is. <laughs> How would you find it there? It's, um, from what I've seen, I've never been there personally, but um, it's one of the studios that's just been around for uh, as long as I can remember. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really... Ah, it's really cool. I like it. It's, it's like a converted barn, so it's got quite a lot of character. <clears throat> it's got yeah. uh, high ceilings, so fantastic for drum sound. Oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> and beforehand, we um, from my personal recording sessions with Darko, we've had we've had some great sessions with um, people, but it's been in much more of a smaller space. So mm. we've ended up uh, doing a bit more. I guess we say you're always going to do a bit of processing on the drums these days anyway, really, Mm. um, because of modern sounds, but, and the fact that all of our songs are about 220 BPM. (laughs) You don't want a huge drum reverb with something like that. Or maybe you do. Maybe that's the future. Skate punk with like really reverb drums. Yeah, skate punk's always been um, a a tough one. It's it's a hard one to mix. It's definitely a hard one to mix because everything you just want to be like, incredibly dry saturated and present it's just like because everything's happening so fast you just want like that directivity of everything yeah but i've, I've um noticed with bands like fair dues it's like they go from the skate punk but then they go to like full sort of almost converge-esque like open like beat downs and stuff like that so it's yeah. like so hard to mix yeah because you've got like the directivity of skate punk into like the openness of like a beatdown, for example. Yeah. Uh, I think that's not, <laughs> not, not something like this. Something, something to think about, but something I would happily pass on to a professional like yourself to think about. <laughs> yeah. I've done yeah. some mixing in the past and I was just like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'll stick with it. <laughs> Confusing <laughs> you with these changes. But, um, but yeah, talking of, uh, oh, Harking back to drones and daily, and I was actually talking to uh, Tim Bevington from TNS l- last yes. week. 
And it reminded me, well, I was trying to think of the first time I really found out about TNS Records, which I was again mentioned, which was the show, I think it was the Retro Bar in Manchester when I was driving drones. And there, Egos at the Door played. Yeah. Was that the Retro Bar? It was, what was it? It was, it was, a, um, it it, was a venue that it was downstairs I'd never been to before. Was, yeah, I'd never been to it before. Shiny um, floors. I, yeah, I don't think TNS had did that many gigs there either. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, it was... Did Leagues Apart play as well? Yeah, Leagues Apart and Standout Riot, Drones, Egos at the Door. <clears throat> Perhaps one more. Um, I just remember seeing you guys and it was like, yeah, it's classic one of these cocktail bar gigs. So the sound in there was like pretty brutal and you yeah. guys were just insane like jumping around i was just like <laughs> this is exactly what i want to be listening to right now so <laughs> i just you, remember man. having that first conversation with you and i was just like <clears throat> literally just take it over this label and this is the sort of band i want to be working with because it just fucking blew my mind <laughs> yeah i mean it's we we were actually like looking for someone like yourself and a label like Lockjaw as well. So it's just that kind of like weird synergy of we meet on the off chance that we're playing the same gig together. It's like, we really need like a label. We need some help. We need like pe- someone behind us. Yeah. And you're like, <clears throat> I need a bunch of crazy asshole kids. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I just wanted to pro- promote a band that had that much energy. And it's just like, yeah, literally gobsmacked by it. And I think you just released your it was the egos at the door the very first cd when you oh, the, yeah, cartoon the characters and that yeah, how, that, that was bad. kind of like a skate punky yeah meet dillinger escape plan in places type thing just be like we're starting yeah, to go erratic yeah, yeah. but we also still <clears throat> uh, half the songs are still skate punk <laughs> yeah you can't, i mean growing up where we grew up you just like if if you're going to be into the local music stuff like you, you just couldn't escape skate punk Ah, that's also such a bad thing, I guess, nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to dig deep to find it nowadays. But um, what, um, yeah, going back a bit then, just in the history, why, uh, what made you want to play music? Like, what got you from uh, young Ed or even younger Ed to Egos at the Door when you bumped into me and be like, who the hell's this guy? Oh, Christ. <clears throat> uh, well, my uncle had this, I think it was a Squire Stratocaster lying around um, and like an amp. And um, I was just always like, oh, what the hell's that thing? Like, I, yeah. I, I can even remember being like really, really young, like six, seven years old and like being at my uncle's house and <clears throat> all the adults are talking. So like, I just go off on a little mission around the house, just like being a nosy kid. Yeah. <laughs> And like I found this exact same guitar that I ended up uh, borrowing for a while when I was a teenager. And I just found it, and like there was no picks in the room or anything, so I just got a two P coin, and was just like, "Whoa, what the hell is this?" Yeah, I didn't have a clue how to play it. I was just like mesmerized by this mythical object. You weren't playing um, any Queen, the coin on the guitar. That's pretty bright, <laughs> mate, isn't it? <laughs> and suddenly no, was... you just played "We Will Rocky" without any direction. <laughs> yeah no that's uh that's i wish i definitely wish <laughs> so yeah i was just like mesmerized by it and then my uncle let me borrow it for a while um but 
he taught me how to tune it once. So like, you know, you put your finger on the fifth fret and like everything tunes relative from there. Yeah. But um, I, there was probably a space of about a year where I didn't know how to tune just the E. Okay. So everything was always relative to the... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> to number five um, and barely as well, barely relative to it. So I just used to piss around on it and just like detune it and dick around and yeah. then... I was in high school. Um, all I did was just smoke weed, skateboard, and go home and play the guitar. And like that was that was life for yeah. a lot of years. And then, I mean, pretty much from like you know twelve, thirteen years old, that was just life. It was just ah, I've got to be at school. This is shit. I hate this. Yeah. And then finish school. It's like ah, sick. Right? Who's got weed? Where are we skateboarding? And then it's like gotta go home for tea okay go home high as a kite play guitar (laughs) (laughs) and that that was it for years and years and then it gets to like your final year of school and it's like right okay what are you gonna do now (laughs) um, I have no idea so I just started like looking into the courses that were available Uh, and then there was just this access to music course I was like please can I do it it was like, right, okay, well, you got to go for an audition. So I just started practicing guitar like a madman, just like, oh, my God, like, I've got to nail this audition. Otherwise, I'm not going to get into this college, and then I'm screwed. Yeah. <clears throat> so when absolutely, like, dropped the audition on its head, like, I played, like, awful. Really? Oh, no. Awful, awful. <laughs> it's, it's my fault because I picked like a Rory Gallagher song and it's like, why why did you do that? Like you can barely string right. like, a few chords together, like shut up, you little shit. <laughs> um, but I think they admired the enthusiasm. So they let me in and then I was like, right, okay, I've got an excuse to go and fuck around somewhere a little while longer. Nice. But because it, it was like, it was one of those all-inclusive courses that just covers like all aspects of music so it's like there's always something to do there's plenty of modules like I was in there pretty much every day so as far as society was concerned I was doing something somewhere yeah uh yeah it's cool that these uh courses are available I think that's the same similar to me when I got out and uh went to the ACM and had four years playing guitar there and that was fucking awesome really just to be given the opportunity to be able to do that um that's uh that's like the main one in guildford isn't it yeah yeah that's quite a yeah, serious so, one so. though that's like that's where people that can actually play go um i learned how to play there i mean i mean <laughs> i learned to play a bit there but yeah i don't know there's there's always a mix mixed uh bag but i don't know mm. i have i don't know i don't know if i've got ready to compare it to but it was uh yeah no it was it was cool. Um, but, I mean, it's it's music tuition in a city. Yeah. So it's got that serious edge to it. Exactly. Yeah. That's it, <laughs> Whereas my my course is just like Blackburn. It's like if you turn up, you're a legend. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I think. Um, so we, before band wise, before egos, were you, were you doing anything different genre wise? I mean, you say you're playing Rory Gallagher. Was that you? Was blues your bag back then, or is that just something you thought? Uh, it it kind of was. I mean, I, I was just in that phase of I would 
listen to anything and everything just because I was like hungry to sure yeah to learn and to listen and to to find stuff so like I wasn't hemmed down into anything in particular at that stage it was just raided my dad's cd collection until that got old and then like started limewire yeah limewire was good <laughs> limewire was a great source yeah um genre wise before egos um i mean obviously as you know like with being good friends with the tns people and being in some bands before egos that were like doing releases with them it's like just the whole diy punk and everything that comes under it from your dub scar scarcore like different all your different like subgenres of punks so i was definitely definitely came out of that <clears throat> was it the uh, um was it skating that got you into that scene or was it just going out it, in the music scene it wasn't being actually there? Or what? We, weirdly enough it, it wasn't it wasn't really the skateboarding um although skate skate videos did used to be ace for finding songs yeah because like it, whenever they had whenever they had like a skate team it was always a complete like mixed bag of people and whatever songs they chose for like their section on the skate video was is it like what had a i found the cure off uh almost do you remember almost skateboards no i don't remember i have a very short recollection of that period in time because i think you harked back to uh the weed smoking but i feel like that's what <laughs> <laughs> oh it rings a bell but almost i remember the death skateboard team but they were more local ones yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's like very independent uk skate team but basically all it, all it is is that like every time one of these skate videos came out there's it's such an eclectic yeah. mix of people of course, and like personalities yeah. that there's just so much different music to discover on it. So the skateboarding didn't really lead into the skate punk, ironically. No, I think that's the same with me. Once I, was, I couldn't really skateboard. That was probably why it didn't. <laughs> but I, yeah. I love the, I love the, uh, the idea of it, and I would try it. I had a skateboard, but as I said, nah, gonna break my wrists. <laughs> just play guitar instead. <clears throat> Skateboarding is really hard. <laughs> like, okay. quote of 2021 from ed hall yeah it is very hard uh rob um who plays drums in our band like he's just started skateboarding um and i was like so we've been talking about all things skateboarding um and he's literally like just getting into it just getting started and he's like oh i'm so shit it's like oh like I think anyone that like stands on a skateboard and thinks, oh, this is really hard. This is like going to take ages and everything. What you got to realize is there's an awkward phase of like a year to two years where you can't do anything. And like, if if you can do an Ollie, great. Yeah. But then as soon as you can kickflip, it's just like, there's just this like evolutionary emergence of tricks. It's like, oh, like everything opens up. Right, but until until you get to the kickflip, it is shit. <laughs> <laughs> but any anyone can get there, man. Seriously, it's just it's annoying and it takes ages and you shit for a very long time. Well, it's something to. I mean, it is something to go outside for. I think we've still got a skateboard kicking around, so I have actually looked at it and thought maybe now is the time because I have a bit of concrete outside front of my house. Ah, yes. Good excuse to go outside, isn't it? So here he is. <laughs> Rob Piper, the uh, the new Rodney Mullen, <laughs> well, flat ground expert. 
I I did uh, order myself a much the same everything is fine deck as well. So maybe I could just put some wheels on that. Get it done. Yeah. Get it done. It's it's so it's it is a lot of fun skateboarding to be fair. I ain't done it in a long time. I like the idea of not looking at a screen and doing something. That as much as I'm having a nice time now having this chat, <laughs> the rest of my day is going to be staring at this laptop as well. So oh, uh, making those making those journeys outside. Um, I mean, you could open the curtains behind you at least. That's uh, a door. I've got a room here. Uh, I've got a window here. Oh, Can right, I, I, I won't be able to show you without. It goes out to a graveyard that way. Oh, sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty punk rock. Yeah, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do have light. I do have light. But, you know. Yeah, these curtains, that would just go into a hallway. It's one of these, like, glass doors with curtains. It's quite, yeah. Are the skate parks open? The outdoor ones? I've seen quite a few people go into them. Um, good question. They have been, they were closed and then reopened and uh, the one near us definitely was open f- again, but now we're in lockdown again. Who mm. knows? I did go past it, but it wasn't busy then. So yeah, it could be closed again. But I don't know if I'm ready for a half pipe or whatever, or a skate Just a flat ground out front it, it, for now. Yeah, just a bobbly tarmac. Just like, do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how, uh, how are you keeping healthy and not, do you go in, do you go outside? I mean, I've, I've, you've got to kind of break it up. You've got Gus the long dog. Yes. The infamous Gus. Gus. <laughs> it. Infamous Gus. Everyone loves him, but he's actually a complete asshole to anyone that he doesn't know. <laughs> he's like, he's like, butter wouldn't melt online, but then if you meet someone he's never met him before, he's actually a complete dick. Right. <laughs> I guess this is the uh, one of the issues with uh, social media that I feel like I know him really well from following him his uh, yeah. social profile then, but when I meet him he's going to be an absolute arsehole is he yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> maybe just the fame's gone to his head that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it oh man um, keeping healthy um, so I was actually in a really, really, really unhealthy place at one point. Um, so if you remember 2015, Edgarville did a three-month-long European tour. I do. With Terrafraid. Uh, and it literally was a three-month-long back-to-back European tour. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was... <clears throat> I mean, it was an experience and everything like that, but I came back off that incredibly unhealthy, like really, really underweight, um, completely like alcohol dependent, like alcohol was daily. Like there was like the craving for alcohol was there and everything. Right. Um, yeah, I was, I was in a really bad way. Got back off that, moved back into my parents' house. Um, and just need, I just needed a job. So I just like went and did like the, nearest job available and like started trying to piece life back together. But there was a stage, uh, where I was working in a restaurant. Um, and it's like, so if you work a, as a waiter in a restaurant or whatever, it's a split shift. So you do like a four or five hour shift and then you have like a couple of hours dip in the afternoon and then it's the same shift again, like another four or five hours. Yeah. So I was working these <laughs> split shifts, but, 
had like an actual inescapable physical dependency to alcohol. Like I just couldn't, like I just couldn't fathom going a day without alcohol. Which... So I would finish this shift at like 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. I'd get home and realistically I should have been eating food, but I would, sorry, I just hit the mic again. Realistically, you know, I should have been eating and resting. I get home kind of a stressful shift most of the time because it was like a very sort of like busy, high-paced job. Yeah. Get home, have a glass of red, and then within an hour or two, I probably would have drunk like just two bottles of red, done. At which point, no appetite. Mm. At which point, I haven't eaten anything. <clears throat> At which point, like, you know, I was kind of like alcohol buzzed so I could just sleep. Yeah. So basically like drink really, really unhealthy amounts and then just go to sleep. Do you think, Wake. sorry to, to interrupt there, do you think that was because of the the fact that you were in essentially bars every night for three months and you had that availability of alcohol for three months and you just got into, no, so, or less, and, yeah. and you get given, and if, even if it wasn't at a bar, even if it's a house show, they go, oh, how would the easiest way to pay the band, even if we don't have any money, is to give them a crate of beer or... Give him a cup, yeah. bottle of plonk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, so that that availability becomes a lifestyle. Every single day. Yeah, that's it. That's 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 how it. That's how it got to that point. And like, I, I wasn't in the best of places, like mentally during the tour. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredibly taxing. I've been on. Uh, I don't. I think probably the month is the longest. And it has, um, even then it's just taxi because you're just fatigued. There's only so much mm. you could, mm. it, DIY touring as well. You're in a small van, you're sleeping on floors. We, mm. there's, there's some absolutely great times don't we? and we, and then we do it cause we love it, but yeah, there's only so far you can go living like that yeah. when you need to actually, we need actually to sleep in a bed and have a detox day or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like a salvation or like an oasis when you get to somewhere, you don't have a show the day after and like the guest is kind enough to say like, oh, you know, the place is yours, make yourself at home. There's a shower, there's a bath, there's a kitchen. It's like, oh my God, like yeah. a home <laughs> and we can have it for a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, that's what it's like. But um, to answer the question is, yeah, like that, the, the lifestyle, um, the lifestyle and the availability was definitely what created the conditions to get into that state, like un undoubtedly. Um, but the state that I would describe it as is more just like a physical dependency. It was more like, so through the touring, the alcohol becomes habit. It becomes social. Yeah. And through biology, it becomes, becomes dependency. Yeah. <clears throat> like it becomes a part of your microbiome. Like it becomes a part of who you are and what you're made of. Yeah. So, um, so like I say, like I, I was finishing these shifts, going home, should have been eating, should have been resting, was like sinking, like really, you know, not good amounts of alcohol, falling asleep, waking up like 10 minutes before a shift because I got to sleep on alcohol and I've not even slept. Even though you slept for 10 hours, like you've not slept because you've got alcohol in your system. Yeah. So it's like, I get up 10 minutes before a shift, I'll be like, shit, I need to get there now. Um, fortunately, it was literally down the road. So 
I could wake up like 10 minutes before a shift and then just roll on in, yeah. hung over. But then you'd roll on in and then like I was already like really underweight and unhealthy and in a bad way. <clears throat> and then I get into the shift and it's like, right, I've got five hours of a busy shift here. Um, and number one, I'm hungover. Number two, I can't eat or drink anything because I'm on shift and it's like I'm on my feet. Yeah. So another five hours would go by where I wasn't eating anything. And then there'd be that two hour break in the afternoon where I'm like, oh, like, I can't really drink in this break because I've got to go back to shift. Like, oh, I'll have like some lunch, do the next five hours of the shift, get home, cycle. The cycle continues from there. Yeah. Um, so, what- so like back to your question about staying healthy is like, so from that three month tour through to working in that job and like just having a complete dependency, I, I mean, a ton of stuff happened um, to make me just go like, one day just go like no like no more like right. this is enough like this is rock bottom like quite a lot of things happen i can't i can't just point to one particular thing but basically there was like a short period of time where just like a lot of things happen i was like right no this is it like i can't th- this is the wrong path um yeah and then i just like joined uh, a muay thai gym in preston and was like i just walked in skinny like just in a awful awful way I just walked in and I was like, uh, I like this sport. I'm going to give this a go and then replace one addiction for another. And now it's just the gym <laughs> addiction. <laughs> Fair enough. So, think- so yeah, like to, to answer the question of staying healthy, like that. Yeah. So basically I joined up like some martial arts gyms. Um, I've got like a little setup in the cellar, go running all the time. Nice. Um, and I just built it into my daily sort of thing of like just doing something small or large just to like maintain health yeah physical health all the time um make sure that i mean i eat as i eat fairly well i could eat better Mm. um zero alcohol zero weed like all of it like just anything i think like as, as hard as i go is coffee now right for anything whatsoever so i'm just like completely sober um and yeah, I just stay as healthy as I possibly can. And like, I enjoy it and I know how bad it is if, you know, I don't adhere to that and go down the other path of awful health Yeah, and how, how bad that gets. What about yourself? And that, uh, how are you staying healthy <clears throat> these days? Uh, running every other day, but I would say that's just sh- uh, for a, for a couple of weeks, but trying to keep a little bit of exercise and mm. yeah, try and try and eat healthily. I have to say, uh, in current circumstances, I do tend to kind of comfort eat a bit yeah. when it's, just, it's nice it's, to have just to sit down and, you know, and you kind of like, yeah. But yeah. again, I'd, I I feel better having nice, like eating a little bit too much than constantly barraging myself with alcohol. I'm still, I'm still drinking here and there, but I try not to kind of drink every day, Yeah, which is quite an easy thing to get into when you're just sat at home and you can order the beers in but um, yeah 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 i think everyone like has like a personal sort of limit on that so like say i probably drank a lifetime's worth of alcohol in a short space of time so it's like now my timeline as a person is like i've probably if i spread out all of the alcohol through the rest of my life that's probably like healthy social drinking for yeah however many years if, but because like i consumed it all in a <clears throat> condensed period of time it's like 
you've reached. kind of felt like I'd got to the end of it. Yeah. 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 And now, now it doesn't it? even affect me um, good at all. Like I don't, like I could probably have a pint here and there and maybe feel good, but more than likely I'm just going to have a really bad sleep. I'm going to feel like shit. It's going to interfere with my diet. It's going to like make me feel awful. Yeah. So, so at, at this stage, there's just not even like a, a plus of drinking. I find if you, um, there's definitely days where I've had, where I've, I've had a drink, but I've thought that should I have a drink and I've questioned it. And then when I do, a lot of the time that they'll just make it make me feel worse about it or I won't get anything done because and mm. I'll be like oh, why did I have a drink and it's that mental um uh, the mental setup beforehand when you're like if you don't want to have a drink but then you have one anyway and then you feel bad afterwards then it's just an mm. even worse mm-hmm. thing that's you know? that's like the whole set and setting thing with hallucinogens isn't it it's like yeah, you shouldn't yeah you shouldn't consume something that alters your consciousness in any way unless like you really want to. Yeah. And if you have a resistance to it, like while you're taking it, then bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's uh good. It's good to hear that you're staying healthy and you always, always, I mean, you've always come across as, <laughs> even though Matt, maybe we didn't speak as much and I'm glad you got kind of got through that dark side, but, uh, incredibly motivated person that i've known like every time i've spoken to you about a project that you're involved with you're you're incredibly uh uh dedicated to it and the way the way you've taken like all silk mastering and the production house and the video work has just been i don't know really really inspiring to see what you're doing and and going back to he goes at the door and moving forward or i guess the same time talking a bit about Edgar, Edgarville we kind of name dropped Edgarville here and there and we've mentioned Rob um so that, Young Rob. that's uh that's an exciting exciting yeah. bit there's well there's been a couple of EPs was it the seal and the cat or is that the artwork I can never remember. yeah we've um so the first thing so I'll, I'll break that into two parts because the first thing you were saying is like and it is it's um very kind of you to say that like I'm a motivated person and everything like that um Definitely appreciate, like, you know, the fact that people notice that and, like, take that as a good trait. But it's more about, like, knowing yourself and, like, knowing your inclinations and, like, what you're, how how you're likely to behave. So it's, like, in terms of motivation, it's, like, I have to put all that energy into, like, healthy things. Otherwise, bad. It's, like, everyone has, like, a different makeup of... Uh, I don't know, like personality traits and like character traits and things like that. And it's like, it is nice when people notice, but I think like also people need to realize like it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm incredibly motivated and all this, all that. That's like very kind of people to say, but what, what you don't realize is like, if I put any of that motivation into like the wrong thing, yeah. Like things go very, very bad. Like, and I've been in some fucking awful places because of that personality trait, because of what it, the way like it, it drags you into things. It's like the the obsessiveness. Sure, yeah. Creates like that's that's like one of the worst things about alcohol dependency is like if you have an obsessive person and a dependency, it's like, it's, dude, it's bad. Yeah, goes into a really bad place. So it's it's nice that people notice, but you know, it's not like some sort of. Um, you shouldn't make a false idol out of it because it's like it is um, 
a double-edged sword. Like it, it can get people into like a, a lot of trouble, like especially like anxious and motivated and driven people. Like we tend to put them on a pedestal and say like, oh, like, I can't believe how much this person's achieved or like this person's done so well in this particular field. But nine times out of 10, it's like it, it has cost that person something to have that trait to get to where they are yeah, and like there, there's another side to it if you will um so yeah I just feel like I have to point that out because I don't want to be like put on some sort of like false pedestal of like oh he's like a driven and motivated it's like uh, might be better if I wasn't you know <laughs> yeah no it's, a, it's an incredibly good point and I know I mean uh I do know uh, a couple of people a couple of friends who I like that. So yeah, you kind mm. of you get really into one thing, and as you said, if it's the wrong if it's the wrong thing at the wrong time, then yeah. it doesn't work out for the good. So it's that battle and choosing the right path. And as <laughs> living as a human being is is not easy to always just do mm. the right things. But yeah, no, not at all. Say, right, but the but, second the second part of what you were saying is the band, which is. I think it's a healthy obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Um, it's an obsession of perfection. So that's like probably, I don't know. It's good and bad. But uh, yeah, we've been working on an album for, it's five years we've been working on it now. Um, is that since you released the last two seat Because you had a couple of CDs. Yeah, so we, we did an album. um but it's it's really really bad. Like we we really shouldn't have um, we shouldn't have released it in the stage that it was in. It was basically, it. I mean, it, in my eyes, it's not even an album. It's just more like a collection of bits that we didn't finish. Right. So it's like, but because we were going to go on tour, we were like, oh, we've been working on this album. We've been going to a studio every couple of weeks, every month. And just like putting together songs and there was like 13 songs on it. So technically you could say, oh, it makes up an album, but it's all over the place. Like the vocals sound like demos, like the really not like refined where anything's coming from. Um, so the first album was just, it was a collection of bits and we were like, oh, we're going on tour. So let's get it out. Sure. So, <clears throat> so we just released it um, and it was completely like the wrong move to release it we shouldn't have done that because it's not like a reflection of anything it's just a eclectic collection of bits and bats mm. uh, so then we got back off a tour um and decided to do like a little ep um and like the whole motivation behind the ep was a bit more like a wham bam like let's just get this done and then let's just release it and like just see how it goes so the EP is kind of cool. It's like three songs. Um, some of it sounds really inspired. Um, it's it's a cool little release. Um, the delivery is not quite right in a lot of places. So I think, what are I think, I good think ideas? Yeah, you're very yeah. You could be very over analytical, or not over. You're you're analytical of your own work, which is a good yeah. thing. But yeah, and you, and you notice the things that other people like perhaps don't. But at the same time, I think you notice that. I think you notice the things that people don't notice, but they do notice. So it's like, oh, if I'd have delivered that a little bit differently, I'd know about the delivery, but the person listening would interpret sure. the emotion of it. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? It, so it's like the the delivery is a little bit all over the place in the EP, but it's like it does sound inspired and it does sound pretty cool. Um, but once we'd released that, I just sort of like had a word with myself. I was just like, I for years and years and years, probably since probably since I started taking music seriously in college, all I've done is thrown a few songs together, recorded it quick as possible, thrown it on a CD and gone on tour. Right. And it's like, the, I've never like, even though I'm like a, a trained and professional audio engineer now as well, it's like, I've never taken that step back to just be focused on the one part of being in a band, if you will, or being an artist. And that's like the actual art itself. Like, sort of the universe has always gifted me or the people I've been in bands with of like these songs and these structures and, you know, like this, these make makeups of songs, but we've never honored that gift by taking them to the full conclusion. We've always just gone, we understand it this much. Let's throw it together. Let's get it out and let's go on the road. Sure. So I think it kind of dawned on me that that was like a, a cycle and a habit that I've been involved in for as long as I'd been a musician. Mm -hmm. And I think this must've been like a, I must've been in this cycle for a good 10 years by the time I realized that I was doing it. And I was like, holy shit. Like, so also compounded with like the really bad alcohol problem compounded with the fact that like none of these records had ever like really broken out of their, uh, their immediate network, if you will. Yep. Cause it's like, it's all like very DIY. Mm -hmm. So it's like, in a way, I was like, I was in a really bad place and everything I'd ever worked for for 10 years was scattered all over a bunch of different releases that are like kind of cool, kind of inspired, not really put together properly. And then you get to the end of it and like all your bands have broken up and one of your bands, like half the bands left anyway. And it's like, right, so this, what have I got to show for this 10 years? Yeah. It's like, okay, a few cool releases, fine. But like, you know, at, at the same time, like when you hit rock bottom and shit, you're like, what have I got to show for all this? And like the only thing that only like maybe God could take away from you is like the abilities and the experience that you've sort of built up yeah. from all of this studio time, from all of this touring, from all of this dealing with people in the industry, from all of this like sound education and being in studios constantly, it's like all, all that you really take away from it at the end is like what you've learned and what you know. Yeah, which is arguably the most valuable thing you can learn. Your experiences can't be compared yeah. to anything really. It, and it's very hard to show somebody that all in one go or even show yourself is, is I think is, mm. um, yeah. So, Sorry, so from there, it's like, kind of realizing that and kind of realizing that I've never honored a recording of my own anyway, like of, of a production that I'm like the actual producer on, which is like a band that I'm in never honored the, the gift of the song. So once I realized that I was like, right, this next record is about the record and nothing else. Like is what, whatever happens after the record, don't care. Yeah. Like do we, do we tour it? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Doesn't matter. Like, does it get big? Doesn't matter. Is it like, does the record have everything you could have given to it? 
And like, that's, that's been the approach. And like, so we're now we're five years down the line. Um, I mean, the songs were written ages ago, but it's like, once you get into the depth of a song, you realize like just how much phrasing makes a difference. Mm. The way, the way that you phrase a melody, cause you can phrase a melody an infinite number of ways, but is the way that you're phrasing it, the way that it, conveys to someone yeah so it's it's been like a labor of love for the last five years of just getting the way that everything's played right um i mean rob uh who plays drums god bless him like i've had him record the drums in, including pre-production it's like over 10 times wow. we've recorded it um properly two times and then a third being the most recent which were like yeah okay drums are done right like and the i guess like you could say as an outsider like well how do you know when it's done like you, you don't know when it's done because you can always nitpick mm. but you, there's like there's an intuitive element of it that we're putting together which is like at the end of all those drum sessions before it's been like it's done it, it's done like we, well we've done it like it's recorded yeah is it done um maybe but this time we've done it it's like it's done drums are done like i'm, I'm on record on a lockjaw podcast saying <laughs> it's done so if we go back from here you know to like to send the people in lab coats over like right okay <laughs> we're, we're confiscating the record off you um but yeah like that's that's the motivation behind the record and like that's why it's taken so long and that's why, like, I feel the way I feel about this record. I think that's that's cool. That's it, and you're not restricted to anything. So your your approach is and the important thing. The approach is working for you, and you get to work the way you want to work. Um, I'm, I guess Rob will agree if he doesn't mind recording something ten times. But <laughs> <laughs> um, he he, Rob Rob just always says, "I'm I'm here for the ride." <laughs> I, I absolutely love that guy. He's just like. I mean, you've got to have a really like special personality and makeup of character to be as patient as he's been. Right. Because he's just like, I, I don't know. He's like, he's never particularly like far off the center line, uh, like emotionally or anything. He, he's always just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, Nice. Occasionally he kicks up a fuss and we talk about it and it's like, we get to the bottom of it. But for the most part, he's like, I don't know, patience of a saint. Like he's just embrace the process uh, so awesome. gratitude gratitude to that so um oh that's awesome so and then what's the uh is it is what's the rest of the instrumentation are, are we allowed a bit of insight on that i mean we know there's going to be drums on the record <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so the main sort of meat and potatoes of it is drums, bass, two guitars, vocal. Right. Uh, electric and acoustic, is that? or? Yeah, the, there's a mix of electric acoustic. Um, it's gone, gradually it's gone way more electric okay. as time's gone on. <clears throat> Just because um, I, I, I love the acoustic guitar, I probably play it 80% of the time. Because um, there's, there's a number of reasons. I think playing an acoustic is miles better for your phrasing and for your clarity and for like, you know, like the way you hold a note because the strings tend to be a little heavier as well. Mm -hmm. So like 
usually I find if I've been playing an acoustic for a while and then I jump on an electric, it's just like, oh, it's, it's baby guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it makes everything easier on an electric. Um, but having said that, I think like the delivery of an acoustic in a full band live is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Like it just, it never, I mean, at least in my experience playing DIY venues all the time with a mix of engineers, like just the engineers, usually the in-house engineer, because we don't have a crew. Yeah. So like the delivery of it is just, yeah, all over. I mean, it's probably took about 50 gigs to realize it, but like, I think it's at this point, it's almost an impossibility. Right. To play to play an acoustic guitar in a full band and have it at the right volume without it feeding back, for example, uh, and it's sounding good for a PA and it delivering correctly, it's it's really really difficult. But on record, sounds cool as fuck. Yeah, I like the um, I like the sound of when you've got when you're expecting an electric guitar, but it's been doubled up by acoustic as well. That sort of sound, yeah. and then you get that just really meaty. You need sound in it as a listener, you might not pick up on it. You might be like, well, that electric sounds massive. And then you realize there's mm. an acoustic backing it. Mm. Um, it. It adds a clarity to it as well. Cause it's like, I mean, the cool thing about an acoustic is it's like, it's sort of a percussion instrument in a way. Mm. There's like the, the, especially like if you use a pick on an acoustic, there's like, there's a hell of a lot of percussion going on there yeah. that like you don't really pick up on. So if you back up an electric, with an acoustic and you like, you play very percussively and very clearly and like you play in time with your electric, you like you add a layer of clarity to what you're playing on the electric. There's a, key, I mean, there's it, a key part there playing in time. I like you added that <laughs> as long as you're playing in time, if you're playing yeah. out of time, then pain in the day. <laughs> um, however, it depends on what genre you're doing that in. Cause I don't see that working for skate punk somehow. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it depends on the part. I don't know. We'll see if we, if I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, um, but w- with the acoustic live thing as well. I mean, do you find if you were doing say like an open chord song I, of what I've heard so far of Edgarville, I feel like it's not just a CGD job of you strumming and singing with an electric guitar. It's more. There's way more intricacies on the acoustic than that. Do you've so that that is that the reason that the electric is easier live? I mean, because even uh, I mean, because I guess open open chord. Not to understate open chords and the importance of having that, but if you've got a full band and the acoustic players just kind of really doing the, as you say, the percussive part, it's not as bad as if you're trying to do maybe more lead guitar lines, but on an acoustic. So I'd, I mean, I'd rarely give Eggerville a compliment whatsoever, but one compliment I'll give it is with the intricate sections on guitar. Um, usually the way that like the composition goes, it actually gives it plenty of space to do it. Um, so a lot of times, like it might just be like some percussive symbols or just something to give ambience, especially right. when the, acoustics more involved but to answer the question is the issue with that is when it's live um there's just there's so many uh factors that work against you so say like you are playing an intricate part and you use a low string to uh, like sub the bass so like you play one open string and then 
you start playing your parts over the open string acoustic live, that open string can turn to feedback like that. Right, yeah. As you said before. So then <clears throat> that then it just completely ruins the delivery of it. And you're like, so you play it, you start playing the intricate part, and then all of a sudden your open string's gotten out of control. So you've got to deaden your open string and then keep playing your intricate part because it's live. You're not just going to stop and go, oh, sorry, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So then you stop the open part and then you're still playing the intricate part and then you try and start the open part again and it feeds back again. It's, it's a disaster. It's just, <clears throat> it's so hard. Like, I think if if we were to go back to having an acoustic live, we'd need, like, a dedicated engineer. Sure. Yeah. We need someone, like, that understands it and that's, like, fully behind it. Um Otherwise, just the delivery is a nightmare. Okay. Uh, and without, I mean, I know you said you, you didn't want to give any compliments to Edgarville, so without going down the compliment <laughs> route, if you were to describe Edgarville and what people can expect when uh, the album is ready, uh, what 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 can people expect from this new album? Or what are you saying? Um, so it at the heart and soul and core of it, it's a punk record. Like, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, without a doubt, it is a punk record, like, through and through. Um, but as a li- as a lifelong musician, I've, you know, I-, I can't just play simple punk and be happy with it. So it's got, like, a sort of emo, math, noodly element to it. Um, you know, like, kind of similar to TTNG in places. Um, like, a lot of, like, the uh, Midwest emo kind of, uh, snowing type sound like there's there's a lot of that kind of influence um a little bit of like bayside mixed with intervals type influence so there's like some more traditional like big pop punk mixed with like tech metal yeah. elements it's it's a it's a big melting pot but hopefully the way that it's delivered start to end it all ties in yeah but I think the the thing that links it start to end is the fact that it is like undoubtedly a punk record. Sure. Um, and then, I mean, it depends how how deeply you want to dive into like the actual like topics and lyrics of it because it's like it's as as much as what I was saying about you know we've never honoured a record musically. It's like never really honoured a record like philosophically either. Like never. We've just written lyrics, they mean what they mean, and then throw it over a record. <laughs> Whereas like with this one, like I've really like sort of dived into like the lyrical side of it as well. Um so like that's why the album like is called Cartesian Doubt. Mm-hmm. Um because it's it I mean it kind of it kind of explains itself. Like Cartesian doubt is a uh, phrase in philosophy where you've kind of or like Cartesian skepticism. You hear it called, which is basically where you've reached a point in your mind that you just doubt everything. Like you don't know what's even real. So when you get to like this level of skepticism, you uh, you basically come to the cogito. I think it's called, which is like you you have to realize I think, therefore I am, and that's the only thing that you can know. Yeah. And that's the only thing that you can, I mean, you can't prove that it's real only to yourself, but you, sorry, man, I've completely gone off left field here. <laughs> no, it's still, it's, um, it's still, uh, it's uh, topical for the uh, lyrical content. So yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, so what, what people can expect, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't even know if I'll ever do a record ever again after this, like as a player or as a writer or anything like that. It's, I'm just so deeply invested in this one. Um, but yeah, it's a punk record. Cool. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it's... Uh, yeah, no. But yeah, you know, it's for, from top to bottom, it's like, it's every piece of us. Absolutely. Like it couldn't couldn't have given couldn't have given anything more to it. Yeah, well for me that's a yeah, it's an incredible selling point and all those uh influences in your melting pot that you mentioned uh yeah. were awesome. So that's uh yeah, that's really exciting. I mean, obviously I've heard bits of it and yeah, I tend to agree. I can see where those where all those things are coming from. And then there's mm. a, uh, there's a lot to uh, sink into lyrically as well. So exciting stuff ahead. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of went off on a tangent and didn't uh, resolve the tangent because it's like it's, it's a massive topic. But uh, but when you ask like what people can expect, I mean, it's it's a lot of things. Um, but you might hate it as well. So oh. if you do, then fair enough. <laughs> It's, is it yeah but l- lyrically it's involved musically it's involved like you know it's basically it's it's a life it's a lifetime's worth of playing music learning and loving audio production and thinking yeah because no, we, we don't have a choice about thinking like ev- everyone's thinking all the time and we think for our entire lives we think um so it's yeah it's it's a lifetime's worth of thinking as well i think it's a nice way of depicting what you were reflecting on earlier when you were saying experiences is the only thing that you you could have for the last 10 years is experiences but is there anything to show for that and this Mm. body of work is going to be uh putting your experiences into a body of work and then that would be a pretty epic thing to say. This is what I have to show for this work because this is my yeah. experiences compiled into, yeah, a piece of art. So and I think, <clears throat> yeah, no, hundred percent. Thank you for making my ramblings clear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've got uh, notes. No, here. I've got notes here and equations in front of me, and I'm like, but if this is this, then maybe I can. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, you, you're you're 100 right, and I've kind of also made this like odd, like sort of peace within myself about it. Of like, once this record's done, like for better for worse, like I, I'm just gonna be happy. It's just gonna be like, even if it, even if like you know, no one likes it, like you know, because the most realistic outcome is that it might get a bit of buzz. A few people might listen to it. A few people might say nice things, and then the sun rises the next day and life goes on. Yeah. Uh, it- so it's, it's more about like, uh, I don't know, like I, I have a weird piece about this record in that once it's done, it's done. You know, it's out there, it's done, it's gone. It's like, I know that I couldn't have spared any more capacity on any level of how you make a record. I couldn't have spared anything more for it. So yeah once it's out it's out and it's done and then i'm i am at peace with that <laughs> absolutely and i think it's it's nice to have a couple of people enjoy what you're doing but if you're not doing it for yourself and you and you're not enjoying the music then it's 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 hard for anybody else to 
buy into mm. or enjoy something if the uh, if the performer or the writer didn't enjoy it in the first place really i think no it comes it comes across doesn't it it's back to what we were saying about phrasing yeah come to yeah go down to that detail phrasing and delivery <clears throat> um yeah fantastic well we've had a really lovely chat today get Nice and uh, deep, that I expected. I haven't chatted for a while. Um, and yeah. Th- Just scratching the surface, baby. Yeah, thanks for um, <laughs> opening opening up about some yeah important things and interesting uh, reflection on, uh, I mean, we didn't even really talk about the actual touring itself, but the aftermath of what touring can do to uh, mm. DIY musicians afterwards, but then coming out of the other end and really kind of being able to sink your teeth into something um really positive and creative like these all silk um setups and the studios and and then the obviously the album edgarville's uh cartesian doubt um so yeah exciting things to come from the music side and if anybody's interested um ed's available at all silk mastering and all silk studios um where's that what's the uh website for that uh, so recording is allsilkrecordingstudio.com and mastering is allsilkmasteringhouse.com. Wow, you really got those URLs in, didn't you? That's the, they're, they're yeah. the perfect ones. I tell you what, uh, while, while I'm in public making an ass of myself, I've got to give the uh, web designer a shout out. <clears throat> a guy called Ben Smith. Okay. Um, he is, oh my God, like he's grafted on this website like you wouldn't believe. Uh, so the guy's pure genius i have to say thank you so much i am completely and utterly lost without him brilliant all right well if uh even if you're not uh needing any mastering or recording services just right now then you might as well go over and just check out ben's work on the website (laughs) (laughs) yeah the man's a genius. brilliant well uh thanks very much for joining me today ed it's been absolute pleasure chatting yeah thanks man i'm not really a morning person so hopefully we uh we, well, we we went into the we afternoon. We ended into it well enough. Yeah. yeah. We, we clambered <laughs> into the afternoon. <laughs> Brilliant. Much appreciated, man. Thanks for having me. There we go. 2105. Thanks very much for listening through that. I hope you found it as interesting as I did catching up with Ed. What a great guy. If you want to check out any more information about Silk Mastering, Silk Recording, or Edgarville, the links will be in the description of this podcast coming up next week we have craig leach front of house and tour manager for anti-flag as well as front of house for some of your favorite punk bands um i have a great chat to craig he's an old college buddy of mine and we bump into each other at some of the funnest times including punk rock holiday so we just have a little chinwag about that And if you like what you hear and want to support the podcast, just subscribe, share it with your mates and enjoy. And don't forget, if you want to grab some sweet music, including the new Belvedere record, uh, visit www.lockjawrecords.co.uk and pick up some records. Cheers and have a great day.
Is it working? 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 Is it working?